Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Bear Bears, the podcast where I talk about mental health issues surrounding body image, maybe my weight loss and getting fit and anything else that comes into my head at the time of recording. So this episode is going to be a bit different to what's come beforehand, rather than talking about what went on during the week um, and, and stuff like that. Instead, I've sat down, I've had a cup of tea with a friend, recorded it and we'll call it an interview. I am going to try and keep this format to every five or six episodes. So I think it's important to hear other people's views and perspectives. So I will I will get guests and, and we'll do just this. We'll do exactly as we've done. We'll sit down, we'll have a cup of tea and we'll talk about the issues. Um, because as I keep saying, this isn't just about helping me. It's about helping others. And hearing other people's stories may give me hints and tips. It may give you things that you hadn't thought of. So... I think it's really important to hear these other voices. One thing I should mention before I start the uh, the recording is I as as I keep saying this isn't a professionally produced podcast. I don't have thousands of euros worth of podcast equipment just sitting around at home. Uh it, it's just me and wherever I am and whatever microphone I happen to have at the time. And that being said, when I was recording this interview, it was done across Zoom and I was using a different microphone. The sound quality on my end isn't as good as I've had in previous episodes, so I apologise for that. But anyway, look, the interview is still good. I enjoyed it very much. I'm very grateful to the guest who joined us, who you'll hear about in a few moments. So on with the interview. So on this episode of the podcast, I have my very first guest. And for transparency, I will tell you now, Scott is a friend of mine. So Scott and his husband are parents to three grown-up adopted sons. And uh, Scott calls himself a serial podcaster. The COO of a social enterprise called FASD Island. And that's a not-for-profit organisation supporting those living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. He's a passionate advocate for mental health and for children who are unable to live with their biological families. He takes his coffee strong with two sugars and a spot of milk and wants to marry Robbie Williams. Scott, hello. <laughs> That's quite the intro. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for being my first guest. You're uh, welcome. I'm very honoured to have you on. Um, so you... You were you were talking about being a guest because you listened to the the first episode, and one of the correct me if I'm wrong with this, but one of the things that you said that struck you was that I was talking about body image issues across the whole body, not just about the fact that um, I'm heavy um, and overweight. I was talking that body image affects everybody, and it's it's one of the things if you're obviously you are happy for me to share it because you wouldn't be a guest otherwise that you have also experienced so tell us a bit about your body image issues yeah well i think when i listened what what i hooked into was the fact that you know this isn't in your first episode it wasn't just about you and your way it was about the whole body and i think that i kind of connected with that because yeah um just i think um for me i'm not overweight I'm probably a bit underweight, actually. Um, but I think my whole life, things like my height, 
um, have always been an issue for me. So I've always, well, not always, because obviously, you know, not always been six foot, but I am six foot. To me, six foot, big feet, um, there's advantages to some of that, some places, I'm sure. But for me, I've always had kind of issues with certain parts of my body, um, height and feet size being, <laughs> being the main things. But also things like my arms, things like my legs. It, it doesn't kind of affect me all the time. But I think for me, if you kind of hook into something in your head, essentially, if you go down that kind of um, rabbit hole with yourself, you can really get stuck there. Um, so I think that's really what's, what struck me. And, you know, I, there's everything. Like, I, I, I connect it back to um, being the kind of ugly duckling if that makes sense um so when i was younger i was horrendously bullied for various things i wasn't a fighter i was a lover i never stuck up for myself i accepted what people were saying about me and that has really had that's gone on to have an impact on me in my about 30s 40s now um and you know things like things like my social anxiety. I don't have it as bad as some people could have it, but I still have it. You know, I I'm not the sort of person who will walk into a, a bar or a restaurant on my own because I feel very, you know, very aware of myself and and how I look. To other people, they won't see it, but I see it because yeah. it's in it's in my head. So um, you know, the ugly duckling thing really has had an impact on me. You know, I had massively protruding front teeth before I had braces. And when I say massively, I mean, to me, they were, whether they were or not, I don't know, because I'm, I'm kind of biased about whether they, you know, the fact that they, I saw them like that, and everybody used to tell me they were like that. But so, I, think that's, I think that's a big thing with the whole body image thing, isn't it, though? It's, it might not be anywhere near as bad as it really is, but yeah. it's still bad for you. And that makes it all the more worse. And I think for me, what along a similar vein with my weight, what makes it worse for me is when I'm doing my utmost to acknowledge that I'm overweight and I want to become happy with it and or I want to lose weight either way. And you get the people who say things like, but you're not overweight, you're cuddly. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not cuddly. I'm overweight. And if you don't acknowledge it, you're making it even harder for me to acknowledge it. And if I don't acknowledge it, I don't do anything about it. Mm. And it's when it's that kind of thing. You know, I just feel that just like you with the, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't as bad as you, as it, as it, as it really was, but for you, it was that bad. Yeah. Do, do you know? Yeah. And I think as well, you're right. The, the dismissal of, my body issues i mean i don't i don't openly talk about them particularly you know because to me you mentioned mental health and in, in the opener there and you know there's there's various reasons why i say i'm an advocate for mental health it's it's not that i'm you know actively going out and helping well i have in the past you know been involved in the suicide prevention charity and stuff like that but for me um the dismissiveness of that kind of stuff can can really affect your mental health um if somebody's saying no you're not you're fine but actually you're saying you know we're saying we do have these issues um we have acknowledged them like you say um that's how i live with them because i've acknowledged them yeah um and you know my husband tris you know thinks i'm perfect he wouldn't be with me 25 years if, if he didn't think i was perfect well maybe not perfect but you know part <laughs> way to being perfect um and 
you know, it's not that he will dismiss it, but it just doesn't come up because, you know, I live with him, he lives with me. He's, you know, I'm not going to speak for him, but, you know, he's, he's overweight. He classes himself as overweight as well. He knows where that issue comes from. He knows, um, he, I don't think he knows how to deal with it, but he certainly acknowledges it. Um, and I'm very guilty of saying to him, you're fine as you are. Because I think, I do think he's fine as he is. But that's not up to me to tell him that. Because like you say, you you know, if he's acknowledging that he is however he classes himself, whether it's overweight or fat or, you know, whatever, I have to acknowledge that with him. Yeah. In some way, without being the nasty part, you know, nasty husband and saying, yeah, you're, you know, you're fat. What, you know, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's enough information from that this kind of discussion for people to go actually this is how you deal with it because everybody's different absolutely yeah that's that's one thing i have discovered through doing this i mean i know i'm only four episodes in but obviously before doing this i was looking at other ways of not so much losing the weight because as much as i want to lose weight if i never lose the weight that's fine as long as I'm happy with how I am, which I'm not. And I've, I've been quite blunt and honest about that in the podcast. I'm not happy with how I am. Mm. And I'm not saying losing all my weight will make me happy. So I need to find other avenues. And I, I genuinely don't think, as you said, it's being talked about enough. There, it, it's starting to, um, but it's still, it's still very, very much a... It, it's like a taboo subject because yeah. if I go to the doctor and say to the doctor, I would like to speak to somebody uh, about my mental health with regard to my body image issues. The first thing he's going to say is have you tried losing weight? Yeah. Yeah. And I know this because he's done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to him, that's a logical thing to say, isn't it? You know, yeah. Because but it shouldn't be about that. It no. should be about, because for all he knows, there could be something behind it. There could be some underlying thing behind my weight gain or behind my body image issues. And maybe my issue isn't actually with my size. Maybe it's with something else. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, for me personally at the moment, I think it's about my size, but there's the possibility that it's absolutely not. And yeah. I could go to great lengths to lose all this weight and become my ideal weight for my height and all that and still be drastically unhappy. Yeah. And you probably would be as well, because um, uh, you, you actually mentioned it in one of the episodes. Like, I may, may have been the first one. Your ideal weight, and according to your height, you would you would probably look ill. Because, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Weight Watchers. Um, I no, this isn't a dig at Weight Watchers because I love Weight Watchers. Mm. Weight Watchers get a lot of flack because people think it's a bit of a scam because they make it so hard to get to your target weight. They don't. They it's it's a diet program. And if you follow the program, it will work and it will get you to a target weight. It might not be theirs, but it will get you to your target yeah. weight. And, but they, they have to be honest and say, given your age, your gender and your height, this is your target weight. And mine was 11 stone. And even when I was at my fittest, I was, was never 11 stone. And yeah. I think 11 stone, I would just look emaciated. I think I, I think personally, um, I would look awful at eleven yeah. stone. Do you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think even if I got down to twelve stone, thirteen stone, I'd still find something to complain about. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, for me, I, it's, I, I don't struggle with my weight because I, I, 
I just don't. Um, you know, if I think I've gone a bit on the belly side, then I find myself skipping meals and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't work, but I, I find myself kind of doing that um, because I've not got that relationship with food that makes me need to eat all the time. I mean, I can go a full day and not bother eating till, till tea time kind of thing. Um, and that really doesn't affect me. I found since um, stopping smoking, actually, um, that I am, I was never hungry in the morning, ever like midday one o'clock i would start to feel a bit peckish but nothing major because i was feeling you know feeling the kind of the the craving i guess yeah. with nicotine um but i found that since i've stopped doing that actually i am kind of peckish earlier if that makes sense because yeah. obviously that that habit and the cravings and all that sort of stuff are, are different um but um if i was to be my ideal weight then i wouldn't be too different to what i am now but my problem is where it goes um, my, it doesn't, it doesn't go everywhere, it just goes to one place and that's my belly. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to have, um, you know, bigger arms so that I could have, you know, um, the tattoo that my sons have designed for me, but it just wouldn't, you, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the issues I see with myself. Um, but again, if I was to be the ideal way, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be, all over you know and i still look like i have a belly or i'd still you know my arms are still you know i don't know some creature from the black, black lagoon probably but, <laughs> you know just it just wouldn't look right either and i think that it's, for me it's what you're comfortable with yeah and if you get to the perfect position which i'm never going to get to i'm never going to be um perfectly happy with my body but equally i'm never going to go and have liposuction or you know anything like that because it's just not you know that's not me I'm, no. I'm okay with it but i'm kind of accepting rather than you know yeah everything you know i look amazing yeah that's just not that's just not not the way it's kind of no, working. I yeah i get you um tell me so you said earlier on that uh you 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 would say you're probably underweight so do you get, and if you do, this is the where I'm going with this. I want to know how it makes you feel because I think feelings are a big part of why we dislike parts of our body or our body image and things like that. Do you get when people like the size of me and you are chatting, and you might say, I would love to put some weight on, and somebody like my size replies, I, you know, oh, you're perfect. I'd love to be like you. I'd love to be thin like you. And, you know, there you are desperately saying you'd love bigger arms and trying to, to work that out. How, how do, do you get that kind of response? Do you do people say that kind of thing? Yeah, I think I, it's funny where that comes from, because, yes, um, it has happened in the past. I think, you know, nowadays I'm probably more satisfied with myself now at the age of well, 47 next month, but probably more satisfied with it. So don't have kind of sit and have those discussions, but have done in the past. And, you know, one of my friends, actually, she um, she's always on her, about her weight. And I think she's perfect to where she is. You know, I, I absolutely do. Um, but again, there's that acknowledgement of, you know, because um, she's, you know, she, she refers to my figure as being great. And I'm like, yeah, but so are you. And you, you're still constantly striving for something yeah. that... Actually, I, I've never said this to her, so I hope she doesn't listen, but <laughs> um, 
I think that actually she looks underweight when she's her how she sees herself as perfect you know so it does come up but I think um not so much in terms of weight now but I think um because I am quite thin and oh, I don't know where I'm going to go with this but so my eyes as an example um I have quite dark rings under my eyes I always have done from the age of you know like 12 13 um part of it is sleep and hydration and all that sort of stuff but um since I was ill a couple of well last year um that comes up in conversation again and again and again and again if I'm seen in a photograph if the lighting's wrong if this is you know that the next thing and people say oh are you all right are you are you ill again kind of thing um and that really does annoy the crap out of me because no I'm not ill it's the way the, the photograph's been taken or the lighting or something like that. And now you're making me paranoid that actually I might be ill yeah. um, or I'm going down that route again. And it could just be that I didn't get enough sleep last night. You know, it could be anything like that. Um, and that is quite irritating, actually, because I'm aware of the dark rings under my eyes. I've never been one to go out and buy, you know, a concealer or something like that to hide them. Sometimes they don't look bad. Sometimes they do. Um, I know it's not related to weight, but that's probably at the minute the one thing that comes up again and again and again, and it just really irritates me because it makes me paranoid that I'm getting ill. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's not related to weight, but that's the whole point of this, isn't it? It's all about body image and, you know, dark rings under your eyes are part of your body image. So I can see why it would, you know, why it would get to you. One of the things you you said as well was about your arms and you you started to talk about your, your, your teeth where I interrupted when you were growing up mm. how has so how has not having the arms you wanted or having the, the perfect set of, of of pearly whites how has how has that affected your mental health um well that's an interesting one because i don't think it's had a massive impact on it on me in my later life but in my earlier life it, it definitely did and like i said you know the social anxiety from the teeth thing is, is a real thing that carries with me um you know it, it, i think it was if we're going to relate it to to mental health i think confidence self-confidence is a big issue so um you know years ago i would never be one for public speaking absolutely not um and i challenged myself to get over that because shyness is a big thing um, as a result of that kind of, um, I guess, bullying, you know, I just kind of went way into myself. Um, so when I was then, when I then, uh, it was one of the jobs actually I, I took on in 2014, um, it required me to speak in front of four or five people um, in the first week that I was there. And I remember, wasn't able to sleep. I literally wasn't able to sleep. The thought of speaking to all these people didn't realize... Well, I probably did realize it was part of the job, but I just thought, well, you know, this is a point where you, you're you going to have to start getting over this sort of stuff. Um, but literally the week, like three days before, I could not sleep at all. But by, encourage, by, by acknowledging it for me and thinking this is something that you can do. Mm -hmm. This is something you, you know, when you're speak, you've got this job because you're able to speak to people. So, you know, just start kind of slowly building up to it. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, four years later, I was speaking to, you know, conference of 400 people, which was, you know, like the buzz was just, wow, you know, and, and I'm glad that I got over that. But I've had to do that myself. You know, nobody said to me, do this, do that, do the next thing. Now, well, I can speak to 400 people. 
still put me in that situation where I've got to walk in a restaurant on my own. And like literally, I will panic for hours beforehand thinking, oh God, I want to meet somebody there. Um, I was somewhere. Oh, I went to a, a launch in Galway the other day. And um, a, a guy from another um, uh, organization was going as well that I know who um, does some work with us. And I actually texted him and said, where are you? Because I'm not going in until I can go in with somebody else, you know. Yeah. Um, so it does affect me. And I think that is, you know, it's 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 all related around the mental health bit, but it's not kind of as extreme in terms of how it affects me. But it definitely does, you know, that my my self-confidence and my social anxiety is is relatively high in certain situations. Um, and, and, you know, I, I have I've I've acknowledged it and that's helped me by acknowledging it because by wondering what it is that's when it starts to i think that's when it starts to affect you rather than just saying actually do you know what i i'm i'm, I'm self-diagnosing myself i know but it's that's what it is it's social anxiety and it's my confidence and self-esteem that have been affected by these experiences and if you add in the the bullying for the teeth for being gay you know all that sort of stuff from you know from my early teens and mid-teens that all has an impact on it. I, for, for me, anyway, and I, I, I know that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts about you're on about your social anxiety and how you, you know you have to text this other person and say where are you because you didn't want to go in on your own. What are your thoughts about the phrase about faking it till you make it? Because it's a phrase that I absolutely detest, mm -hmm. but it's also something I do all the time. And no one, and I guarantee no one but my parents would know. None of my friends, I doubt even my husband realizes how bad it is, but I actually suffer with very crippling shyness. Mm. I, like you, can't go into a place on my own. I panic in social situations, but I have, over the years, I have built up this coping mechanism using the whole fake it till you make it thing and i walk in with this big head as though i am the most important person there and regardless of what situation it is whether it's a restaurant whether it's a bar whether it's speaking in front of people which i do you know like yourself i yeah. talk to people i say to myself everyone here is, is is here to see me because i am who they want to be and that's a very arrogant way of looking at it but it's my coping mechanism with getting past the social anxiety. So what are your thoughts about the whole fake it till you make it thing? Is it something you try? Is it something you you adhere to or avoid? It's, you know, it's something I deal with every day, personally and from other people as well. Um, so doing the work I do with FASD, FASD, people with FASD are amazing maskers. So the, the, the fake it till you make it thing is, is absolutely what you would call it, but we call it masking because yeah. they mask everything like you know uh, they mask their um their emotions they mask um whether they like somebody you know um all that sort of stuff um so it's something that i'm very aware of now seeing it in other people um and i think there are there is definitely elements of that um with with this as well because you know i think um you're right i don't know well maybe i'm just trying to think if if the hubby would know because I can get a bit grumpy if I'm in a situation where I'm starting to get anxious or nervous and I, I can't hide that. So, you know, if we're, if we're late, as an example, if we're late for something, cause I'm, I'm a, like the timekeeper and he's 
definitely not the timekeeper. So, you know, like we were late for his grand granddad's funeral, you know, um, th that's how flipping late he likes to be. Um, but if we're, say we're in the car and we're going somewhere and we're late, maybe to the airport or whatever, I find myself starting to get snippy and snappy, um, but only with those around me, if that makes sense. So I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm a very good masker. Um, I, I would be in a professional setting, I think. Um, I think that, that, yeah, that would definitely work in those kinds of settings. And I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think about recent things that I've done um, because, yeah, just various things that have happened over the last kind of, well, since COVID really, um, it has affected how I, how I maybe engage with people professionally um, because I'm trying to get back into it, if that makes sense, after years of not doing it. Yeah. Um, and I find myself, if, if there's somebody else there, who's there doing the same thing with me. So, you know, we did a launch a couple of weeks ago and because the husband was there, I was like, well, this is your thing. You get off and do it. I'm just here to take the photos kind of thing. So I was kind of passing it off rather than going, yeah. actually, I can do this and I can do that and blah, blah. So I, that's probably how, how I deal with it more than kind of masking it or, or like you say, faking it till you make it because I'd just rather not deal, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> It's it's funny you say that in professional situations you can you can do this and you can mask quite well. I one of the things that led to this podcast was in earlier on this year, um, my my boss is also he's a good friend. I love him dearly. He pointed out that actually I was withdrawing at work and that my my level of patience was a lot shorter mm. than it was my my fuse as it were was shorter and he noticed this i hadn't and i'd always thought i was very good at masking these things right but he'd noticed that i was isolating and that i was and some of the other staff had had noticed it well and mentioned it to him not in a uh, in a nosy way but in a caring way you know look we're worried he's isolating you know he's he's not in a good place um, and that led to me going to therapy right and speaking to somebody and my god it helped so much just being able to talk and, and get everything out there but it was interesting that I, as you're saying you can do it professionally I always thought I could I always thought I was very good at it and clearly when things come to a head too much I'm obviously not yeah I, I see I think it's different for me as well because professionally now I work with family so um it's it, it's hard to know if I can if I, if I do it or not you know because like if you know if we're in the office on our own and he, he says something out of turn you know I'll just bite back the way I would at home kind of thing so it's difficult to know but I think when we're in definitely in in kind of public settings there's there's definitely that element of that because I do find myself pulling back so yeah. you know we I, I i've just remembered actually a breakfast that we went to with the, the the chamber a couple of months ago and the mayor and all that sort of stuff were there and um you know obviously that's people that we need to speak to we need we need them to know we're here and we need them to know what we're doing and stuff like that um and he was like we need to speak to him and i, I just wanted to leave i just wanted to go i didn't you know i didn't want to get involved in that conversation because i just wanted to go yeah. Um, and it wasn't because it's not because I'm not committed to my job. It's it's 
just because I I just didn't want to speak to somebody else who I didn't know and make the small talk and you know all that sort of stuff because I, I I find small talk you know quite hard and the kind of introduction and all that sort of stuff you wouldn't think it from the way I've blathered on here but <laughs> you know um, it's different when you're just talking to one person on the screen um, yeah. compared to you know when you're in a room and you know all that sort of stuff and I find myself like if there's a camera there I'm like okay well off you go and have your photograph taken with the mayor or the you know the head of the chamber or whatever and I'll I'll take one so we can post it on socials kind of thing and that's my excuse yeah. not to be in the photograph um, because you know again I think maybe I, and I've maybe just made some connections here as well people saying how ill I look or whatever or tired I look I think I've maybe gone actually do you know what rather than them saying that I just won't have a photograph taken yeah I I'm I'm the picture taker. And unfortunately, I take bad pictures. Yeah. I'm not a photographer. I'm not very good. <laughs> the good thing with having, you know, digital cameras is that you can take as many pictures as you want. And fingers crossed, there might be. Yeah, you might get one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I like selfies have to be at the right angle and everything. You know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a good. I, I don't like being in pictures taken by other people. Yeah, so I do that. Um, so we're coming close to, to our time now, but one thing I'd like to ask you is, and this is really putting you on the spot. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is, I want it to be around um, not just my weight loss journey or my mental health, but I want this to be aimed at everybody and to help people with body image issues. So regardless of the issue, if someone came to you saying they had a body image issue, what advice would you give them? Where would you send them or what would you tell them? That's interesting. That is a very interesting question because I don't think I've thought about that before. Um, it's funny because um, the one thing that I think is very useful in this world these days are things like this podcast. And I'm not saying that to blow smoke or because it's a podcast and I do podcasting as well. I'm saying that because actually sometimes you can get nuggets of information from a podcast that you will never get from anybody because most pod, well, unless they're produced podcasts and I'm talking about, you know, like these organizations like, I don't know, RT, BBC yeah. that do them because they're obviously they, they're fulfilling an audience kind of um, commitment. I think with these kinds where it's lived experience, I think that it's lived experience that you need to probably need to listen to. Um, so that's the first thing. And, and you know, podcasts, you can, you, you know, yourself, you listen to them, I listen to them. You can do it in the car when you're on your own. Nobody's judging you. That's, you know, th that would be my first thing. Cause I always, I always do that for everything. You know, if somebody says something um, and I think where, where would you send somebody? I don't know. You know, I, I think I'm very lucky to, uh, to work in a world where you know I've got access to um, people who can help with various different things, you know, so psychologists and psychiatrists and medical professionals and stuff like that. You know, I used to work in a place um, up until last year um, where we had occupational health um, therapists working there as well, and I had an issue with one of my sons, and you know, it just came up in conversation, and they gave me some hints and tips to be able to deal with it. So, you know, I'm very lucky that way because I've I've got that, but. I, I can't think of anywhere that you would be able to send anybody. That's the problem. You know, it's like if you if if you came to me and said, I want to lose weight, then I would say, well, what have you tried? But 
if you came to me and said, actually, do you know what? I've got a real issue with this. I, 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 I certainly wouldn't just say, oh, go and try Weight Watchers or, you know, take a slim fast or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, would come to my mind. You, so I think that's think, a hard one. Do you think the fact that you can't think of anywhere is because it's a subject that's not talked about enough? We talk about weight loss. We talk about getting fit. We talk about, as you said, obesity. Do you think actually being happy with who you are is a subject that we're not talking about enough? Absolutely. I would say that's probably, yeah, that's front and center. And until we've had this chat, I didn't really think about that either. So, yeah. you know, I think that's important. Well, Scott, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being my very first guest on my I podcast. It's I kind of feel been... a bit honoured, privileged, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. It's been an absolute delight to have you. So before we go, have a bit of self-promotion. Tell us a bit about what it is you do at FS, FASD. So um, at FASD Ireland, essentially what we do is well, we're going into our third year this year, actually, from September the 9th, um, which is also World FASD Awareness Day. Um, and essentially what we do is we support families and those living with FASD um, in any way we can, really. We've got a hub helpline so people can ring in for advice and support. Um, you know, that could be a social worker, it could be a foster care, it could be a biological parent. And essentially FASD is, you know, something that is um, kind of uh, comes from consuming alcohol during pregnancy. Um, anybody who's listening and doesn't think it's a thing, well kind of more for you because it is definitely a thing you know i know that you know years gone by they used to say have some guinness for iron and stuff like that but actually that stuff has you know it's scientifically proven now that you know it's having an impact so basically we provide you know like I say we, we provide support we provide the help but we also do a podcast believe it or not um and support groups that are launching uh this month um and we've also got um yeah there's there's kind of loads of stuff that we do that is free to access. Um, we don't have a lot of income. Uh, you know, we're very dependent on um, our, uh, we are the distributors for the Hidden Disability Sunflower Lanyard in Ireland. And that's where our income, the majority of our income comes from to, for us to be able to provide the services. Um, and, you know, we're, we're really in, we're still in an awareness phase because, you know, sadly Ireland is uh, rated at the second highest prevalence in the world for FASD because of the, um culture with alcohol yeah. so it's a really big thing here and um yeah we're just kind of plodding on um trying to raise awareness really and provide the support that we would have wanted because one of our sons has fasd and you know there was no help available we didn't know where to go where to access and stuff like that so very similar to what we've just been talking about actually you know there was nowhere to go and, and now there is in ireland so so yeah. if people wanted support or if they wanted to know more where can they find out information well, we're on all the platforms, as you would expect, because I'm a social media whore as well as a serial <laughs> podcaster. Um, but just search FASD Island or FASDIsland.ie is a website. And um, do you know what? If you're interested in finding out about it, then that's a perfect place to go because we've got everything on there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're always looking for support and help as well. So, you know, the, like you can contact us through the website as well. There's loads of kind of web forms that people can fill in. So. Brilliant. Scott. Once again, thank you very much for yeah. joining me and being my very first guest. And as I said at the very beginning, full disclosure, Scott and I are friends. So even though I'm saying goodbye at this podcast, I'm pretty sure we'll be texting each other later. 
So there we have episode four in the bag and my first interview. I, I, I know it's a bit of a cop-out using a friend as my uh, my first interviewee, but I think Scott brought a great perspective to the whole body image issues from his own personal point of view. The information for the organization he works for will be in the show notes. Please do check them out, and if you need advice from them, do get in touch. And if you can support them in any way, please do. So until next time, where we'll be back to normal. It'll just be me jabbering away for you unfortunately I uh, look forward to seeing you then bye bye